on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder 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 I'll be there on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of His resurrection share. When the chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder I'll be there let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun let us talk of all his wondrous love and care then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder 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 I'll be there before we go to God in prayer, let's sing this next song together. It's been a, a blessing of a weekend, and God's active in our lives all year, all week. Um, but I think we have a lot to be thankful for tonight. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you, thank you, Lord. And I thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving and setting me free. Thank you for giving your life just for me. How I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Gratefully thank you. Thank you. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you for loving and setting me free. Thank you for giving your life just for me. Oh, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Gratefully thank you. Was that Nikki or Vicky? Vicky. Vicky, okay. Would you bow your heads and humble your hearts as we pray? Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to be here tonight. We have so much to be grateful for. We're so grateful, especially for this weekend's activities for EU, for all the participants, all the good work that went into that. We pray that each one of those participants may go back to their families, to their siblings, brothers and sisters, to their peers, that they may be able to say and do things that would help lead others to you. We again thank you for the lesson that we heard today that was presented so well and so easy to understand and help us, Father, to do our parts to reach out to others that we might say and do things that would be meaningful and that others might know that we're concerned about their physical being, well-being, but especially for their spiritual well-being. Father, we especially tonight want to thank uh, you for each one that's here, every family that's represented. We pray for Roy Davis and his family that you'll continue to bless them and give them the strength they need each and every day, that they may look to you, that you'll fill the emptiness and the voids in their life. Help us to say and do what we can to be encouragers to them and to others. Especially want to pray for these that were mentioned, uh, Vicki Spears, Sharon Hagee and Linda Harris I pray that you'll continue to keep your hands of healing upon them that whatever means is being used will be in their best interest we pray that uh, that especially Father that we'll always know that whatever's done that all things are possible with you and that you are the one that actually does the healing and we pray that you'll always receive the glory we do want to thank you so much for Lucy Burgess. Many prayers have been lifted up on her behalf, and we're so grateful, Father, that those prayers have been answered. And again, we hope that you'll answer these prayers these prayers on their behalf tonight, the ones that's been mentioned and others that's on the bulletin that, uh, know that we know that need our prayers. Be with the speaker tonight. It may present things in a way that would be easy for us to understand. Help us to take it from our hearts and be able to apply it each and every day that we may grow stronger every day of our lives, and that we might one day live in heaven with you. In Christ's name, amen. Our next song tonight was selected because it's upbeat. Um, but the truth of the message of this song is one day whenever all our work is done, and uh, we've, we've, we've labored for the Lord, uh, we won't go to bed and have to get up and go to work the next day. We'll actually we'll go to uh, home in heaven and rest with Him. Uh, let's stand together and sing this song uh, before Wes comes to speak with us. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll 
fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. When the shadows of this life have grown, I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars have flown, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. You can be seated. If you had your Bibles and you would open them up to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is where we will spend most of our time this evening. I just want to say another word of thanks to so many people who opened their homes. Um, you know, I was speaking to my children this morning on the way to church and they both slept the last two nights on the floor and gave up their rooms and their beds. Uh, we had, Deacon has a bunk bed in his room, and I went up there, and the biggest boy staying with us said, I got the top bunk. So I prayed for that bed, and it made it, <laughs> it made it through the last two nights. But one of the things that I tried to tell my children is, you didn't just sleep on the floor so people could come and, and hang out. You slept on the floor for an opportunity to touch some lives. And... You know, I know that we've enjoyed Evangelism University and we enjoy that every year. But the purpose behind that is to touch lives. And I think back to my own life and to my own experience of going to things just like this that made a lasting and a profound impact on some of the most major decisions of my life. The people that organized those things could, probably couldn't tell you who Wes Hazel is. But I can tell you who they are. And I can tell you about some of the people that sacrificed, and that's my prayer. And so we appreciate so many people who gave up your homes, who gave up your beds, who gave up your sleep, uh, who gave up your comfort as you sat on a bleacher this morning instead of one of these nice cushioned pews. It's for a purpose, and it is for a great purpose. And so we're just privileged to be a part of that. We, we began some weeks ago looking at the book of Romans, and to me, the book of Romans is one of the most intriguing books in all of the Bible. I mean, it is, it is deep. And truthfully, we could go as deep as you want to go tonight, or at least we could go as deep as your preacher's capable of going. Uh, because this, this book really hits home about how a man comes to God, about what keeps us from God, and about what God has done to bring about our justification. 
You know, we, we started off in those first three chapters by looking at that grand argument for sin. Whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, you have all fallen short of the glory of God. That's an across-the-board statement. That's true about every person you've ever known. That's true about you. That's true about your sweet mama and your wonderful grandfather. You've fallen short. Sin is the problem. And we said whenever we were in those first three chapters that one of the reasons that Paul spends so much time there is because of the necessity of of us getting the point. If we don't understand how bad the bad news is, we will never understand how great the good news is. And that's just the reality. Many people do not understand amazing grace because they don't understand how lost they are. One of the things in our core classes for EU, um, I said in Derek Morano's session, and I mean, he did phenomenal with our young people. Best thing I heard all week was, was in his class. But he talked, he talked about this idea of, of people that don't know that they're lost don't look for a Savior. And Paul makes this point, you need a Savior. It's, it's a situation that you're not going to correct on your own. It's an illness that you're not going to heal out of your own merit or out of your own strength. Men have lived and tried and every single one has fallen flat on their face. Every man. Men and women that were greater than anyone in this room. And they came up short. Even Abraham himself came up short. Even King David, the man who was after God's own heart, came up short. That's that's why. That's why God has has chosen to justify a man by faith. And he He spent these last two chapters talking about that special relationship that we have. Talking about that relationship that ought to humble us. That that, that ought to make us stand in awe. That that ought to spur us on. We'll see next, next Sunday night. It ought to spur us on to live lives that are holy and sanctified and totally committed to God. The life that is justified by faith. And we began a couple Sunday nights ago on one of those nights when it was like two degrees. We began to look at chapter 5 where he makes statements like this in verse 1. So therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. And then verse 10, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of the Son, then much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. This this amazing point that he's making about how we approach God and about His saving work And for the rest of chapter 5, he's going to contrast. He's going to try to make the point about how great and how awesome and how amazing this salvation is. But he's going to do it much in the same way that we said he he was alluding to in those earlier chapters. He's going to show us how great this salvation is by giving our attention to how hopeless and helpless the situation was without Christ. 
And so, and so we begin tonight, we begin tonight in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 when he says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. He will draw the contrast tonight between those who are of Adam and those who are of Christ. Between those who are lost in their sin and those who have been redeemed from their sin. And and He calls us back to when sin came into the world for the very first time. He calls us back to, to to that picture in the garden which is so difficult for us to even comprehend of what a sinless world looked like, of what a sinless man looked like, because we've never seen that. We've never seen a sinless man. We've never seen a sinless person. But on that day when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit in the garden, the Bible says that sin entered the world. And as sin entered the world, death spread from that. Spiritual death spread from that. Not because, not because we stand condemned in Adam's sin, but because all sinned. And very quickly, I want us to make this point, and then I want us to come right, right back to the text. I want us to make the point of Adam and Christ, and I want us to understand that the Bible here is not teaching the idea of original sin. If, if that's what you think, you're even missing the context of what he's saying here. He's wanting us to look at ourselves. He's not saying that we stand condemned because of the sin of Adam. He's saying that when Adam sinned, he introduced sin into the world. And ever since Adam, every single man has sinned. And because all have sinned, every single man has stood dead before God. Now why do I say that? Because there are many people today who teach, who teach this idea that somehow when we, when we are born, we are born sinful. That's a lie. And it's important for us to think about it because, because that's a lie that affects so much of theology in our world today. Where people create doctrines to try to deal with this idea that children are born with sin. Listen, there are these little children over here and they may cry every once in a while, but listen, they're going to heaven. They're right with God. They are pure. They're innocent. They don't even know what sin is. See, the Bible teaches their innocence. In Jeremiah 31 and verse 30, where he says, but everyone will die for his own iniquity. I've got enough problems without thinking about Adam's on my own. Each man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. That classic chapter in Ezekiel 18, the person who sins will die. For the son will not bear the punishment of the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. For the righteous of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wicked of the wicked will be upon himself. Now you go back and you read Ezekiel 18 for yourself. It's a rich chapter. But all it's saying there is God's going to judge each man based upon Himself. Listen, I'm not going to hell because of my Father and I'm not going to heaven because of my Father. I will answer for myself. We have to understand that. Of course, that verse in Romans 14 that each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. We could have a whole lesson, but we're not going to do it. I want, us to, I want us to get back to the point of what he's saying here in, in Romans chapter 5. You are either of Adam 
or you are of Christ. You are either of those through whom sin has entered your life and because of that death, or you are of those through whom you have been redeemed and justified by Christ. For until, he says in verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world. Sin wasn't new when when Moses went up on Mount Sinai. He didn't didn't start to tell them about sin and they say, "What, what, what is this sin thing? Sin's been in the world since the beginning. Sin's been in the world from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through Genesis chapter 12, all the way to Exodus chapter 20. Sin's been there. You go back and you read the book of Genesis. Sin was there. All the dysfunctionality that typified those, those families. Typified, is that a word? I just make that up. But you know what it means, alright? That, that, that was typical in those families. Sin was in the world before the law was ever given. But... But sin is not imputed where there is not law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. He's not saying that everybody did and committed the same sin that Adam committed, but everyone did sin. Everyone did sin because of that death was present before the law. But the law came to make us understand sin. One of the questions that we ask so often is, why didn't Jesus come sooner? Have you ever asked that question? I mean, how come come Jesus waited 4,000 years after sin came into this world in order to show up on the scene? How come we have generations and nations and all of the Old Testament and, and the law being given there and the wandering in the wilderness and, and, and God's blessing of that nation and the rebellion and their captivity? How come, we, how come Jesus didn't just come? I mean, how come in Genesis chapter 12 when God's making this a, a deal with, with, with Abraham and this great covenant, why didn't Jesus just come then? Well, I don't understand everything about why God works and when He works, but one of the reasons that the Bible tells us over and over is that one of the purposes of the law was to teach us, to help us understand what sin is, to help us understand the seriousness of sin. It is that tutor, it is that schoolmaster that was to teach us. Was it there before the law was given? Oh, yes. But when the law is given, it helps man to understand One of the great values of studying the Old Testament, one of the great values of studying that that, that old covenant or that old law is because it is there that we really begin to understand what sin is and what rebellion against the will of God is. Contrast those who had the sin of Adam with the death of Christ. You see, while this is true of those who have followed in the footsteps of Adam, and in some sense it's true of every one of us, every one of us have sat in the camp of those who are of Adam. But the children of God have left the children of Adam. And they become the children of Christ. Adam is just a type. He's a type. But here we have Christ. But... But, in sp- all this that we know about Adam and all this that we know about sin, but the free gift is not like the transgression. How's it going to be different? The results are going to be different. Contrast these things. And as you look back and you see the hopelessness of sin, may it allow you to see the grandness of our salvation. 
Keep these two things in your mind. It is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died. That's what happened, isn't it? He ushered it into the world. He committed sin. And then every man followed in his footsteps. And because of that, every man has stood condemned. And he started it all. If by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. Much more. I just want to just the, the, the point he's making. If if it's bad, and it's really bad when we think about Adam and sin and what that's done, you, you just let your mind go. As bad as you can make that in your mind, even much more. Not bad, but to the other extreme of greatness is the fret-free gift of salvation, is the grace of God that has abounded to many. And the gift, same, same idea, the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. And there's a world of difference in those two things, right? You can either follow the path of sin, you can either follow the path of rebellion, the path of Adam, that has led men to condemnation. But he says, I want you to see. I want you to see the path of, of Jesus Christ. I want you to see the sacrifice. And what has arisen from Jesus Christ is the justification of mankind. So that I can stand before my Lord and before my Savior justified. I can't stand there perfect. I can't stand there having worked it out or having done enough. Not any one of us can. No one young, no one old, no one spiritual, no one... You, you, you can't do that. But I can stand justified. I can stand there just as if I had never sinned. Why? Because Jesus pays the price. Because when I sin and when you sin, the price and the wage is death and somebody's got to die. And Jesus says, I'll die. I'll die. And so we can stand justified. Why? Because of what He has done. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, the same idea, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. It's the same point. Over and over, when you see how hopeless and helpless and destitute and ugly and use whatever word you want to use for what it means to be lost, when you see that, it's only then that you begin to have some comprehension of how good the good news is, of how amazing it is that you begin to understand the grace of God. See, someone gives you a gift and you think that they owe you a gift. Anybody ever had that situation? Anybody ever expected somebody to give you a gift? Most of us have, right? Most of them, you come around Christmas time and, and mo, you know, Bradley, did you expect your parents to give you a gift for Christmas? You sit on the front pew, so I'm just going to call on you all the time. Okay, I'm sorry. But, but you expected it, didn't you? You know what? And Donnie, next Christmas, he's expecting a Christmas gift. 
And he, he, you know, he thought that was a good thing, and he may probably even said thank you, and he'll probably buy you some kind of token gift to go, you know, to, to say thank you. That's, we, but that's not his brother, that's us too, right? We all do that, we expect that gift. Have you ever received a gift from somebody that you didn't expect them to give you a gift? It's different, isn't it? It's not like your mom and daddy buying, buying you a gift. Now, have you ever received a gift from someone who you've hurt? From someone who had every reason to, 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 to disown you? That's what we have here. It's not a gift that you expect. It's not, not a gift that you deserve. It's not a gift that, that's even just unexpected. It's a gift when in reality, we deserve the exact opposite. When you get that, then you start to understand grace. You start to understand how wonderful this salvation and how wonderful this opportunity is. So, so then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as, there, as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Once again, don't, don't, don't follow that original sin idea of, well, we were made sinners any more than unless you want to talk about universal salvation. Okay? Because he says through the one we are made righteous. We have that opportunity. We're made sinners because we follow in the, in the steps of Adam. That's what he says in verse 12. We, we, we are condemned because we sin. But that opportunity that we are made, we, we are made righteous as we follow, as we follow in obedience the one, Jesus Christ. That's, that's the contrast that he's giving here. And so the law came. Why'd the law come? Why'd we have to go through all those years and Mount Sinai? And man, how come when you read your Bible, you got, how come Leviticus is there? Right? A lot of you have started daily Bible reading programs and you're doing pretty good. And Genesis is interesting. And I'm just going to tell you that Leviticus is coming. All right? So you better get ready for it if you're reading straight through. And you're going to have to have some fortitude to get through it. Why is this in the Bible? He's going to tell you. The law came. The law came in that the transgression might increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through the righteous to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you can see sin. And I'm going to tell you, the more sin that you see, the, 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 the greater work grace is. Isn't that what Jesus says? Who, who has greater appreciation? The one who has been forgiven little or the one who has been forgiven much? And that's not saying that all of us don't have something to be appreciative for, but there are some people in this audience who understand it more than others. Some people understand it more than other people. Why? Because they understand where they've come from. Do we understand where we've come from? Do we come to Christ and say, you know, I'm so, I'm so grateful for the Savannah Church of Christ and I'm so, I'm so grateful for, for, for Jesus Christ and for what He's done and He's made such a change in my life because, you know, I, I, was, I was a good person but He's just made me so much better. Is that, is that what we think? Because if we think that, you don't understand grace. 
It's only when we can come and we, and we can say, you know what, I'm so thankful for the body of Christ and for the sacrifice of the Son of God upon the cross because I stood as a wretch. I stood as one who walked in the same steps that Adam walked in. I stood as someone who has brought sin by my own choice into my own life. I stand as someone who deserves to be condemned, who deserves to lose my soul for all of eternity. I stand as, as one who, who if, if whatever was brought upon me, it would be completely justified before God. But Jesus Christ came and paid the price. That's grace. That's the salvation that we have. The salvation that even when we have fallen short, which we all have and we all will, I still have confidence and I still have assurance. As sin reigns, grace reigns even more. Where sin increased, grace abounded. As sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Does the grace of God reign in your life? It's, it's, I, I, like, I like the word, the words that he chooses there. What reigns? Does death reign? Does sin reign? You've known people that sin has ruled their life, haven't you? Most of us can think the times where we've looked in the mirror at the person whose sin has ruled our life. But we cannot overcome the things that we have done. We cannot overcome the people that we have been. What did Kyle say last, last night? If you weren't there, you missed it. It was a great lesson. But God doesn't care about who we've been or who you were. He cares about who you are. Why? Because of grace? Because of grace? That's the invitation. That's how we can extend the invitation to whosoever wills. To people like you. To people like me. To people that we're dealing with those barriers that we talked about this morning. So that grace may, may rule in our lives. So the invitation this evening is for you to allow grace to reign in your life. And to do so, to do so, to lead us to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the invitation. To come. To come and give your life to Him. All those young people that came, that came and answered the invitation this morning and last night, what, what were they trying to say? I know they read the cards, but, but what, what were they trying to say? They were trying to say, sin has been ruling my life. And I understand that that leads nowhere but to condemnation. But I don't want to walk in sin. I don't want to follow in the footsteps of Adam. There's an alternative. There's a better way. There's a way that leads to life. And that is to allow Jesus Christ and His grace to rule and reign in my life. And I'm coming before you today to make that proclamation. To ask for His forgiveness and to make the proclamation that I am not a son of Adam anymore, but I am a son of Christ. That's the invitation for us 
Friends, if you're not a member of the body of Christ, if you've never been baptized into Christ, if you haven't been walking in Christ, if there's something that's come between you and Christ, don't let it, don't, don't let it stay between you anymore. Come and answer the Gospel tonight as we stand and as we sing. saved oh, tonight oh why not tonight oh why not tonight will thou be saved then why not tonight tomorrow's sun may never rise to bless thy long deluded sigh this is the time oh then be wise be saved oh tonight oh tonight oh why not tonight will thou be saved then why not tonight our blessed Lord refuses none who to him their souls unite believe obey the work is done be saved oh tonight oh why not tonight oh why not tonight Tonight. Just have two quick things. I've been asked to remember um, the family of Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Pleasant. That's Judy Spelling's brother. Uh, has passed away. His visitation is tonight. I'm assuming after services it'll still be going on, and his services will be tomorrow at one. That's Judy Spelling's brother, Bruce Pleasant. And also, we could remember uh, James Arnold in our prayers. I know that he's not doing well, and would prevent that family would appreciate those prayers. Thank you. If you are unable to be with us this morning, the Lord's Supper has been prepared for uh, those of you in the classroom to your left. Um, we're going to sing this last song together. Uh, we don't have to host EU again for another year, but now we have the challenge to be the church who lives it. Um, let's look for a way to grow in our number this year to be the same uh, uplifting message of hope and encouragement to those around us uh, as we go into the week. Let's sing this together.
Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine are lost in sin and cannot find their way. Few there are who seem to care, and few there are who pray. Melt my heart and fill my life, give me one soul today. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for all the blessings, Lord. We thank you for this this morning as we had EU and this weekend as the kids from all over, Lord, came and to worship your name. Help them as they traveled home this evening. Help them to spread your word, Lord, and help us to spread your word, Lord. Please be with us as we go out to the rest of this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.